0: Welcome to the Top Flight podcast. My name is Esteban Bailey, and joining me today is Ori Benatar. We're going to be discussing the most recent Premier League weekend and what a weekend it was. I mean, let's just put all pretenses out and let's just start with the most important game of the weekend and probably one of the most surprising results, considering the match itself: Chelsea versus Liverpool. Ori, did you get any? Did you were you able to watch this match?
1: Watched uh, a, a good good bits of it. My goodness, this was a great game. And I'm just shocked to see that the result, not identical to what we saw in the League Cup, but really, really close to it. The goal scores were the same. Hazard scored again. Sturridge with just, I mean, oh my God. That is the Daniel Sturridge that Liverpool fans have wanted to see for two or three years now. What we saw him doing at 13 and 12 and 14. My God. It's so good to see him score a goal like that. I mean, the result, not great that Liverpool couldn't beat Chelsea once over two games, but it's an important point for sure, considering Manchester City is absolutely rolling right now.
0: I I mean, for me, that was the goal of the season so far, and it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to truly surpass that. I mean, it was it was truly a shocking moment and a shocking goal. Uh Daniel Sturridge of course has had a, a kind of minor resurgence this season. He's already scored a couple goals and he seems to be playing a lot better than he has in the last couple years. He seems healthy. Uh he's, you know, he seems to have a good attitude on the pitch and of course he scored against Chelsea in midweek, although he did have probably the miss of the season too in that Carabao Cup tie. Uh, with, when he had an open goal and just completely missed it. but he, he certainly redeemed redeemed himself on Saturday. I mean, this you know, I, I, genuinely a shocking moment. I honestly, I've never seen a goal just come out of nowhere, but that's something Daniel Sturridge is known for. He's not the necessi- he's not necessarily the kind of striker that um, it, he's he's such an interesting player because he can create magic out of nowhere. But there's really no one in world football quite like him. He's so frustrating, but he's also so brilliant. It's, but it's always more fun to have a Daniel Sturridge in the Premier League than it isn't. And I'm really, really excited to see him back. Um, beside the, the Sturridge goal, what did you think about Liverpool's performance and Chelsea's performance as well?
1: I thought they both played pretty well. I think it's been similar to what we've seen them play like all season. Um, I think with Chelsea... You still need to get more production out of more players on your offense. Right now, Eden Hazard is the the not the sole reason, but the really, really big reason that Chelsea is even in title contention right now, sitting in third place, um, sitting two points behind Liverpool and Man City. And they're playing so well because Eden Hazard is the hottest player in European football right now. Morata and Giroud have just not been delivering for Chelsea thus far. I think they've each scored one goal this season, and that's not enough for the two strikers at this point in the season. Pedro's had a bit of a knock. Willian has not been the same player we're used to seeing. He's really more of a European kind of guy. He thrives on the European nights. Um, And the midfield's been kind of quiet. Kovacic has been tremendous in terms of his passing and I think it would be interesting to see him score some more goals. So for Chelsea, you need Morata and Giroud to be more active. Whereas for Liverpool, the front three have not been connecting as well in the Premier League recently. Mane, Firmino have kind of, you know, settled down a little bit. Salah has been a lot more quiet than what we're used to seeing, especially after the season he had last year. But amazing signs for Liverpool that now they have a Daniel Sturridge that was considered one of the best strikers in the Premier League back five or four years ago, and you have a guy like that on the bench who can score goals like that and be able to get you results, his goal is the only reason that Liverpool aren't sitting three points or sitting two points behind Man City and not having another lost Chelsea in one week. And that is something that Liverpool really needed because needed, last season, Sturridge was out of West Brom. Salanke was that second striker. Danny Ings got no game time, basically. It was all on Firmino, Salah, and Mane. Now it's good to see that you've got Sturridge in there. Shakiri's made some impact um, whenever he's played. Still needs to get a little bit more active. But overall, these two teams played really well. But Liverpool's tough road continues. I mean, we knew at some point that they were going to have some slip-up. This may, might be the two-game slip-up. The question is, is whether or not that continues with the Napoli game and the Man City game, or do they bounce back?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I wouldn't bet against Liverpool quite yet. They showed a lot of resilience in that game. Uh, I would I would honestly say that Chelsea definitely outperformed them in the first half. And in the second half, it was slightly more even. Um, and, you know, it's still tough. Like, I, th- I still think that Liverpool, they're on the right path still. It's... Uh, you know it's a tough it's Stanford Bridge is not an easy place to get a result and you know even if it takes a miracle it, results like that are necessary in order to win the Premier League and uh, you know it's still business as usual for Liverpool it's going to be a tough stretch but if they can get out of this stretch still hovering around first place not you know more than a few points behind or maybe even winning the Premier League at this point I think you got to feel really good about Liverpool's chances to actually do something really special this season um, I, I think my my not my final not my takeaway or the the only takeaway I got from this game, but I'm, I'm not sure. It, like, All right, so currently you have Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool. They're all fighting for first. It seems that it's going to be a three-team race for the first place in the Premier League. At least that's what it feels like right now. But how long do you think this is going to be the case, where it's actually these three teams still fighting it out, and it can it can kind of go either way? Because Man City's in first with 19 points, Liverpool's in second with 19 points. Man City has uh, six plus in goal difference higher than Liverpool. Chelsea is in third with 17. It's still two points. You know, it's it's not that big of a gap. Uh, fourth place with Tottenham 15. That's a bigger gap for the you know the first for first and second. So. What do you think? Do you think that this Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Triumvirate, that's going to be the title race this season? Or do you think maybe Chelsea, Liverpool, or even Man City might fall behind and f- fall further into the top four places than you know r- actually compete for the title?
1: I think it can last till Christmas. And I think the reasoning here is is that we've already seen Chelsea play Arsenal and Liverpool in their first seven games. They've gotten four points combined in those matches. They're yet to play a Manchester United team that has been truly, shockingly bad to their standards. I mean, I have no idea how Mourinho still has his job now. If they lose to Valencia, then that has to be the final straw. He needs to go, because you clearly can see that no one wants to play for him and that everything is going wrong with the Red Devils. But I think Chelsea can stay in this title race, because I think the way Hazard is playing, the way the team is formed under Sari. And also, the fact that they've get, they're have get they getting points against top six, they got a win against Arsenal, they got a draw against Liverpool, could have been a win, but it is a draw and that's a good result, that they can stay within reach of Man City and Liverpool, because Man City and Liverpool, after they play each other this weekend, they're just going to continue to roll along with the victories. And even against top six sides, I think they're going to continue to roll. I mean, Man City, this is their first... Tough game this season. Their first six games this year, Man City has played the three newly promoted teams and the three newly promoted teams from last season. One, f- They've won s- five or six of those games, only got the tie against Wolves. They had one match uh, in the middle there in the seven, not against a newly promoted club, but they're, they've only had one draw, whereas Liverpool, only one draw. Chelsea, one draw to West Ham, one draw to Liverpool. I just think that Chelsea can stay in this because... They played some top six clubs early. They got some results against them. I think they can beat Manchester United at home after the international break in the middle of October. And they can stay in the race. And it all depends on Eden Hazard. If Hazard stays the hottest player in Europe, absolutely. They can be a title contender throughout the entire season. But they need him to play as well as he has been playing to keep that up. Because City and Liverpool, you know they're, prob- they're not going to have... A massive slip up against a lower level team. Let's face it, City's only non-win this season was because of a bad call, because of a handball goal. It's the only reason they're only in first on goal difference and not perfect this season.
0: That's very that's all true, and I, I think it's going to be. I'm I'm just excited that this is going to be a much more interesting title race than it was last year. Basically, at around this point in time, Manchester City had already sealed up the title race, they <laughs> effectively. So I, I I'm very curious to see if maybe Liverpool and Chelsea can have a sustained period of, you know, real title contention. Um, I still am going to go with my prediction. I still think that Liverpool has a real chance of winning the Premier League, but we're going to have to wait and see. But uh, there were other games this weekend, so I think we should at least talk about them, especially the first game of the weekend, which you mentioned a little bit, uh, West Ham versus United. Now, I have our predictions here. We both thought that United was going to get the win. We thought that... It was going to be 3-1 or 2-1, and boy, were we wrong. It was 3-1 West Ham. Uh, Felipe Anderson, Mark Arnautovic all got on the score sheet. I mean, there was a Luke Shaw uh, own goal, I believe, that it could have been a Yarmolenko goal. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that one. But uh, my goodness, what a horrible situation Manchester United is in. I do not remember... Well, actually, no, I do remember the last time Manchester United was in a situation like this because it wasn't that long ago. It was in 2013 when they had David Moyes as their uh, head coach. And it's crazy to me that I just compared Jose Mourinho to David Moyes. But uh, that's where we're at right now. So what is wrong with Manchester United?
1: Everything. Just everything is wrong. They're just not playing like a team that wants to win games because the manager is just has the worst freaking attitude. Mourinho just goes into press conference saying, I don't like my team. I don't like how it's formed. He's holding a grudge on Ed Woodward for not letting him get a defender. The only defender he got was Diogo Dalot, who's played basically one game, which was a league cup loss to Derby. and United haven't won in their last three games, a tie to wolves penalty shootout loss to Darby, which technically counts as a tie and then you lose to West Ham 3-1 West Ham fans that's really what they needed that is a massive jolt to their season they are I think in the position that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year sitting mid-table and just like that West Ham just you know have seven points that quickly same with Burnley they've popped up two wins off the trot and they're back into mid-table so This is just such a bad situation for Manchester United. It makes absolutely no sense to me why Jose Mourinho is still the manager there. I think it's only just because they clearly haven't found a replacement or haven't secured the services of Zidane behind the scenes. But this is one of the worst third season meltdowns for Mourinho we've seen just because of the caliber of players. You have a World Cup winner, a guy who could have won the Golden Boot at the World Cup as your two best players, not to mention two very promising young English stars in Rashford and Lingard who are not playing consistently, someone like Alexis Sanchez who's just been so off since he's become a United player, and they still have the problems of old. And they have a better team talent-wise than anything Sir Alex had in those last years for the most part. And he was winning titles. And he still was winning titles with them. When Michael Carrick and, you know, Johnny Evans and all these guys, we had this discussion before. Because it's just so baffling to me. And don't get me wrong. I don't like Manchester United. Sorry to my dad and my brother. I don't like Man United. But it's so frustrating to see them be this poor.
0: It really is. I mean look the, the Premier League no matter what no matter if you hate Manchester United or love them the Premier League is more fun when Manchester United is good It's not more fun when they're bad. It's just they're one of the most important teams in the world. They have a huge fan base. And Manchester United fans, you know, they're similar to Laker fans. Like, they need to be constantly winning or else they're not going to be any fun to hang around. We need Manchester United to be good. And it's really frustrating that Manchester United, ever since Sir Alex has left, has decided to go for these coaches. That just do not fit the ethos of the club. Now, Sir Alex Ferguson was a somewhat conservative coach at times. There was a game where he did play six defenders, <laughs> which was crazy, but you know they still got the victory. Uh, but. That team was still, the the Sir Alex Ferguson teams were exciting. They had exciting players, exciting attackers. That's like Ronaldo, Rooney, Nani, you know, Chicharito. You have these really fun attacking players that, you know, would just charge down the field and get these incredible goals. We don't see that anymore. We should see that. We have Paul Pogba. We have Alexis Sanchez, Marcus Rashford, Lukaku. We have so many talented attackers, and yet they seem so restricted by this Mourinho defensive conservative system that is, frankly, really behind the times, especially in the Premier League. The Premier League is no longer about trying to park the bus and hope your opponent makes mistakes. It's about forcing your opponents to make mistakes by pressing them in the middle of the park and dominating them. It's just it's just a different kind of game, and I think Mourinho has kind of lost it a little bit. I think he—it's crazy to me that I think— A few years ago, we would have said that Jose Mourinho was the best manager in the world. That Chelsea team in 2014-2015 was one of the most dominant teams we'd ever seen in the Premier League. And it just seemed like he knew what he was doing and he was perfect. But he's completely lost his fastball. And it's shocking. And I'm not sure, I'm honestly not sure who could replace him and provide the necessary results for Manchester United. It seems like this situation is growing more toxic Every year, even if they get successful results like winning the Europa League or winning the Carabao Cup, it just seems like they don't really have a plan and they don't really know what they're doing. No. And
1: if you would have told any Manchester United fan four years ago, by this point in four years later in 2018, you would be behind Leicester City, a team that was never a Premier League regular who won the title, by the way, two years ago. You'd be two points behind Leicester, you'd be two points behind Wolverhampton Wanderers, and you'd be two points behind Bournemouth, and three points behind Watford. Unheard of for a team of Manchester United standing. That just doesn't happen. And these are four teams that, when Sir Alex retired, were not even in the Premier League. I'm pretty sure all four were in the championship. Definitely Bournemouth, Wolves, and Leicester. Watford maybe I'm 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 trying to remember my years and all that I think I can actually check right here Sir Alex retired no all four were in the championship and now they're all ahead of Manchester United in 2018 what a world we live in
0: I mean yeah it's just crazy Uh, I wonder I wonder who they're gonna replace Mourinho with because this is definitely a ticking time bomb this is gonna end sooner rather than later Um, it would basically take a miracle for Manchester United to uh, (laughs) improve their results with this coach. But, uh, But, you know, let's talk a little bit about West Ham. Uh... Yes, the first goal was offsides, and maybe that would have changed the entire complexion of this discussion and the game. But I, I have to say, uh, West Ham has been pretty impressive the last couple weeks. I think their front three, the Arnautovic, Philippa Anderson, Yarmolenko front three, is actually one of the best front threes we have in the Premier League, which is crazy to me that West Ham United has such an exciting attacking trio. But I think this is you know part of a larger conversation about the growing middle class of the premier league that you can have a team like west ham that has so many great attacking players that honestly could play for bigger clubs or maybe even play for you know europa league teams or like marseille or lyon or you know ex, you know those kind of quality of teams but they're playing in the premier league and even though west ham has had a couple good results they're currently in 14th place and it's not necessarily because you know, the teams above them have been lucky. It's just like the teams above them have been playing really excellent football, except for maybe Manchester United. So it's it's really interesting. What, like, what do you think about West Ham? Do you think that maybe this you said that you think that this is going to you know, kickstart their season? But what's the ceiling for this kind of West Ham United attack and this team in general?
1: I mean the the absolute top ceiling would be getting a 7th place finish or maybe maybe sneaking in 6th. Maybe just because Manchester United has been, you know, 10 points after 7 games, that's not really confident enough to say you're definitely going to finish in the top 6. We just don't know if Man United can finish in the top 6. They're going to need a bounce back, but we have seen West Ham finish really well. Remember they finished uh, I think 7th place 15 16 when Dmitry Payet was their lord and savior basically before he left. And you know, you have Arnautovic who's playing the best football he's ever played in his life, Felipe Anderson who's definitely going to be with Brazil during the international break in October, and Yarmolenko who has just been such an under the radar attacker, the superstar of the Ukrainian national team, played at ch- um played in uh in Ukraine and made his way to Dortmund, and now he's at West Ham making a name for himself in the biggest league in the world. These guys have the potential. Their highest of high ceilings is top seven, maybe getting in sixth, but I would say a good progressive season for them would be to come between 10th place and 12th place. If they came in 12th, maybe a little bit below based on their squad, but I think 12th is just fine for West Ham. They just need a good, confidence season in the London Stadium. They just have not had that. They were disappointing last season, the year before that, opening up the new stadium. You had all the Pyatt drama, and they also just didn't have a great ending to the season. So I think that finishing between 10th and 12th is fine for West Ham, but if Arnautovic and Yarmolenko and Felipe Anderson just keep improving, which they have, 7th and 6th is maybe possible.
0: All right, let's do some quick roundup of the other results this weekend. Uh, We had Huddersfield versus Tottenham with a 2-0 victory to Tottenham. Harry Kane got on the score sheet both times. Um, You think he's back? Yeah, he's back. Um, once again, uh, from the penalty spot, like we saw in the World Cup,
1: is Harry Kane the true golden boot winner if he scored four penalties? That'll discussion maybe for another time. We did that all throughout the summer, but no, Harry Kane's back. I mean, yeah, you scored two goals against Huddersfield, whoop de doo but he'll continue to score more goals. I mean, he's right in the golden boot race with Mitrovic in second, but Hazard obviously is just playing like nobody else has ever played before in the Premier League, I think.
0: Then we got Arsenal, the other top four North London rival to Tottenham. I think that's actually, you know kind of a subplot, but I think that top four, you know, that final fourth spot, that battle between Arsenal and Tottenham is going to be incredibly entertaining this year. Uh, That North London derby is really going to have some explosive fireworks, but that's not till December. Uh, But Arsenal played Watford in the Emirates, and they won 2-0, a pretty sluggish game in general. Uh, Arsenal, I would say, deserved the result. There probably should have been a penalty to Lacazette early on, but... uh, you know, just a kind of run-of-the-mill performance. Arsenal could have lost, and, you know, but they won, and I think maybe this is a growing trend. Uh, but uh, what did you think about Arsenal? Did you get a, did you get to watch this game or anything, or the highlights?
1: Uh, watch some of the highlights. Yeah, definitely a little bit sluggish, but I think it just proves that Watford is still playing uh, pretty well. Sure, they haven't uh, gotten the results recently that they really want to, but they're still playing well against decent opposition. They played well against Man United. They played okay against Arsenal, but uh, the Gunners have won five straight in the league, and are quietly sitting uh, with Tottenham in that uh, fourth, fifth place fight. Those ma- That match is going to be amazing. Tottenham v. Arsenal. Hopefully, they when it's played um, with Spurs as the home team, then it's going to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm not sure. Where's the December match? Is it at the
0: Emirates? I think the first game is going to be... Either at Wembley, no, I think it's at I think it's in Tottenham. I don't believe it's at Arsenal. The I, first game. I'm gonna
1: check right now because I always want to be sure. Of course, yeah, Tottenham's got to play Barcelona at Wembley. Uh, so Tottenham Arsenal's first no, game will be, be at the Emirates. Em- yeah. Yep, yeah, December first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll definitely be at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Hopefully, March second. Oh, that'll be fun. That's gonna be at the
0: uh, let's, <laughs> that's what we're calling it now oh, that's what I'm calling it now I'm the Arsenal fan oh, here god. But, uh, oh god oh <laughs> god alright then we got Wolves versus Southampton one of the results that we both predicted perfectly it was a 2-0 victory to Wolves kind of hairy towards the end didn't seem like Wolves was going to break through but they finally did uh, not much to say about that game I think Wolves you know they keep marching on and I think Southampton is basically safe, but uh, the next result is something where I want to talk a little bit about a bigger EPL picture. Newcastle versus Leicester City. Uh, Newcastle lost at home to Leicester, 2-0. Leicester, uh, well, Newcastle's in trouble. Um, Newcastle might be that third team that's relegated, and I think... I'll get through the results, the other results really quickly so we can talk about this a little bit. We had Everton versus Fulham, which was a 3-0 victory to Everton, which also keeps Fulham in a very, very precarious situ- uh, situation. Manchester City beat Brighton 2-0. Uh, kind of a boring game, but, you know, get the victory uh, as well as you can. Burnley be- uh, kind of rejuvenated Carta City 2-1. I thought Carta City had the better of the chances in the match, but Burnley was able to finish them off. And then we had Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace today, Bournemouth winning 2-1 off a junior Stanislaus penalty. Uh, Again, not the most entertaining match. It was kind of a boring weekend in general. But I bring all this up because I want to talk a little bit about the relegation race. Now, I think it's clear. We know two of the teams that are going to get relegated for sure. Cardiff City, Huddersfield Town. That's going to happen. Those two teams are clearly the worst teams in the Premier League, and we're not going to be sad to see them go. But that third spot, now that's going to be interesting. Newcastle is currently in that final spot. They only have two points on the season. They've been performing pretty poor all year. I don't know if they have the talent to survive, but the team right above them is only three points ahead of them, and that's Fulham, and that's Southampton, and that's Brighton. Now, all these teams have had very good performances in the Premier League, but they've also had some shocking performances as well one team one of these teams has to get relegated there has to be three teams that get relegated this year at this point who do you think is most likely and also who would you really want to see leave the premier league we have so many fun teams now in the premier league that i'm kind of sad to think that one of them has to go for you know because that's the rules
1: i guess i'd kind of be okay i mean okay with southampton leaving just because they're just not as exciting as they used to be. And there aren't any players on the team, maybe besides pierre Emile Hoiberg and Danny Ings that really scream tremendous talent. I mean, Hoiberg might be the next Southampton player that gets picked up by a bigger club, but you know, when Southampton had continuously lost their players to Liverpool and then kept outperforming them and, Finishing high up the table. I think it's around Southampton's time that they might need a trip to the championship. So just because of the of the wow factor of Southampton, I like Brighton. I like that they're a new team. I've always liked Fulham. I'd like to see them stay. But I'm gonna disagree with you on the two worst teams in the league. I think Cardiff is better than Newcastle right now because Cardiff has actually, I mean, they've been scoring goals every now and again. At least they score some goals. They scored against Burnley. They got a goal against Chelsea. They had the lead against Chelsea. They had two leads against Arsenal. Uh, Neil Leather is still okay, but their defense just, you know, they give up clear chances. But for them to outshoot Burnley 19-5 at home, that's tremendous from a newly promoted team. They're playing better than Newcastle for sure. No question, Huddersfield is the worst team. They can't score. They can't defend. That's clear. But I think Newcastle is the second worst team in the league. They can't score. They're just not motivated. There's just all this drama around the club with owner Mike Ashley. All the fans are so sick of them. And it's just bad. And for Manchester United, if they lost to Newcastle, oh, my God, at home also. Of course, it'd be another home run. I mean, I think Man United have lost at home to Newcastle since Fergie left. But Man United has to win that game because Newcastle is in shambles right now.
0: So the only reason why I say that Cardiff, or not the only reason, but I, I do think that Cardiff uh, is still worse than Newcastle. I mean, Cardiff has a minus twelve goal difference, which is uh, second oh, but, worst.
1: But but that's because they played City, Arsenal, and Chelsea. So and did Newcastle. Gave up, okay. Oh yeah. Well, Newcastle. Yeah, they gave up only two against them. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see your point. They
0: played. They played similar opponents, and like Newcastle, you know, I think. I think they're eventually going to improve, but like I, I still think that Newcastle has potential because they have a really good coach. I think Rafa Benitez is a is a much better coach than Neil Warnock. Um, he's definitely better than um, the Huddersfield coach, which I can't remember his name. David uh, Wagner. David Wagner. I feel bad about that because I liked him last year, but this year, you know, he he can't do anything with that roster. Um, I'm worried though about the potential that Fulham, with all the money they've spent. They're just not clicking at the moment. They have so much talent on the pitch, and Mitrovic is scoring goals, and is scoring goals, and sari has been playing very well, but their defense is horrible. They have a minus-eight goal difference uh, through their first seven games, and they only have five points. Uh, Do you have any worry whatsoever that Fulham might get relegated, or do you think they'll eventually fix the ship?
1: Of course I'm worried. I think I would I would definitely be worried if I was a Fulham fan that relegation is possible. They just have no no string of performances back to back or three in a row that they're playing good. You know, they get a draw against Watford or they beat Burnley and score four goals, and then they get killed by Everton or get killed by Man City. So they just need to find that balance and they just haven't found it. They're playing at home against Arsenal next week. Potential chance to maybe get some confidence but I think the way Arsenal's playing that I think they're going to lose that game and then they play at Cardiff after the international break which could be a really big relegation six-pointer in the ninth game of the season but I would definitely be worried if I'm full I mean right now realistically I think every team that is at between two and five points definitely could get relegated I think West Ham and Crystal Palace are at the point where they're playing well enough right now and getting some results here and there that I think they'll get safe. I still think Burnley is in contention, but I think they're slowly but steadily ensuring that they'll be safe only because they are playing a Premier League game, and those are the only games they're worrying about until January. Every game they're playing over the next three months three months, is a league game after they were in the Europa League and then in the League Cup and playing league games twice a week. Now they just have to worry about the Premier League for the next three months until they play their FA Cup third round game. Whoever they draw could be a Premier League team, could be a championship team, who knows. But I think they'll ensure their safety too. But right now, I'd be worried if I'm Fulham, Brighton, and Southampton. I'd be worried that relegation is possible. Newcastle needs to get their act together. Cardiff and Huddersfield are just in situations where it just might not be possible for them to escape.
0: I think the relegation battle is going to be very interesting because, you know, it's basically five teams for one spot. And I think all five teams have a legitimate claim to stay in the Premier League. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see uh, how this all shakes up. But uh, all right, let's go into before we get into the Champions League this week and previewing that. Let's talk about our favorite moments of the weekend and all the nice, all that good stuff. Uh, Let me ask you. I already know your answer, but why don't you just tell me what was your best goal of the weekend?
1: Sturridge, move on.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, Now let's go with uh, your best player of the weekend. This should be interesting. It wasn't that great of a weekend, but I think I think we're both going to agree on this one. Who's your best player?
1: I don't know if we are going to agree on this one. I'm saying Gilfie Sigurdsson. I thought he really needed a big-time performance to lift Everton up. Uh, They've been a little shaky recently and just haven't played that well since the Richarlison red card, and he hadn't been playing but back into the team. But really great performance from Gilfie Sigurdsson. I mean, for Everton to win 3-0 against Fulham, I didn't expect that to happen. I had them tying 2-2. So really awesome job from the Icelandic maestro.
0: I had Hazard. I thought Hazard was clearly the most influential player in the Premier League this year. He did it against the best opposition. Um, That Chelsea team, it's really crazy how dependent they are on him. I don't know if that's going to continue to work all season, as we've spoken about earlier, but he definitely, I think, is really going to earn himself a big move to Man- to uh, Real Madrid sooner rather than later, and considering Madrid's form in La Liga right now, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, <laughs> Los Blancos decide to try to get him in January and put him on the left side to replace Ronaldo. He is playing out of his mind right now. I think his performance against Liverpool, even though he only scored one goal and he wasn't really able to do much before that, he was still kind of a terror and he was terrorizing uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. So it, I, I'm going to pick Hazard. Now, this one, this should be interesting. What was your best moment of the weekend?
1: Sturridge, goal, move on.
0: Oh, I picked West Ham. West Ham beating Manchester United. It was great to see Jose Mourinho suck on the, on the touchline. Yeah,
1: but we, we've seen them beat United before. I mean, we saw them win uh, in their last game at Upton Park back in 2016. They beat United 3-2. I thought that was a little bit better, and just also because Man United's not playing well. Sturridge doing that against his former club in the 89th minute to get a tie. Come on, that was awesome. That for me has got to be the best moment.
0: Well, you know, just in the in the interest of variety, I choose West Ham beating Manchester United. But uh, okay, th- fine. Those are su- those are superlatives for the weekend. Let's move on to the real meat of this podcast. Let's talk about the Champions League.
1: These oh. are the champions. Oh wow, that was so flat. I don't know. I just don't want to do the full <laughs> operatic thing. But I job! saw the. There we go. Yeah. I mean, they have like German, French, English lyrics. That's just the best fricking song in the world.
0: We got to put it in here in the, no, we're going to get copyrighted. All right. So let's, let's let's talk about, let's talk about the big matchup of this week. Probably the most interesting matchup, uh, Tottenham versus Barcelona. It's going to (sighs) be at at Wembley Stadium. Tottenham famously beat uh, Real Madrid last year at Wembley. I believe 3-1 was the scoreline. Ori, what do you think about this match? Do you think Tottenham can repeat uh, by beating this La Liga giant? Or do you think Barcelona is going to tear or Tottenham a new one? I
1: think they, that Tottenham can win because Barcelona has been on really poor form in La, in La Liga. This week alone, and I, I need to find and see if this is the first time that this has ever happened in the history of La Liga. On Wednesday... Barcelona and Real Madrid both lost. Barca lost to Leganés. Real Madrid lost big to Sevilla. Saturday, they both tied. Barcelona had a one-all draw. Real Madrid tied Atletico. It's got to be the first time in the history of that league that Barca and Real Madrid both did not win on the same day twice in one week. And they both haven't won in their last two games in the league play. This is the perfect opportunity for Tottenham to beat Barcelona Barcelona has just not found good midfield creativity. Messi didn't start in the last game against Bilbao in the draw, and this is a chance for Tottenham to win. I don't know if they will. I'm still contemplating my prediction as, as I'm talking right now, but Tottenham can beat Barcelona.
0: I, I just can't agree with you. Um, I think Tottenham on their day theoretically could beat Barcelona. The thing is... Messi owns Wembley. He owns English opposition. He plays so incredibly well on English soil. He beat Chelsea last season. Obviously, there's that Manchester uh, United-Barcelona Champions League final when Messi just completely dominated the match and completely destroyed Manchester United in that 2-1 victory. Um, I think Tottenham has never played... This current Tottenham team has never played a player that's even close to Messi's just ability and quality. I know they played Ronaldo, but he's a totally different player. Um, I think Barcelona is going to get a pretty easy victory honestly. And I I'm going to I'll 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 do my predictions while you think of yours. I honestly think Barcelona is going to win this game 2-0. It's going to put Tottenham further into a kind of malaise and a crisis and especially in the Champions League cuz I just think Barcelona, they may not be performing super well in La Liga, but this season they're not necessarily trying to win La Liga. They're trying to win the Champions League though. And I think Messi's going to come out there and just try to embarrass Tottenham, frankly. And as we saw, when Messi plays Arsenal and he plays in North London and he plays these kind of teams, he really dominates. And these defenders are not ready for what he's going to do. Plus, you have Coutinho, you have Dembele, you have Suarez. You know, Coutinho and Suarez used to terrorize Premier League oppositions. Dembele was playing at Dortmund, and he was, you know, great in the Champions League when he played. I think – I just think Barcelona is a better team, and while their form isn't great – I don't think you want to catch Barcelona off a couple losses or a couple draws because it means they're going to be much more focused for the next match. And, you know, I I think Tottenham, they're not really quite ready yet. And I don't think they're really ever going to be ready yet to truly compete against the Barcelonas and Real Madrids of the world. So I'm picking 2-0 Barcelona. I'll say 2-1 Barcelona. I think Tottenham is going to be really
1: competitive in this game. They played well against Real at Wembley. Yes, Messi terrorizes English opposition, but I think Tottenham uh, will be able to catch Barcelona and find their weaknesses. I think Maurizio Pochettino is going to be able to find some weaknesses, and I think Tottenham will play a good match. But I do think Barcelona will probably win, but I'll say 2-1, but it's a cautious 2-1. I think a draw is, I would be... I would say there's a 60 65% chance that this game could end in a draw.
0: Let's move to Italy now, where Napoli will be facing Liverpool, who of course beat PSG in their first match day in a pretty exciting, probably the most exciting Champions League match from match day one. Um, this should be a fun matchup, Carlo Ancelotti against Jurgen Klopp. Uh, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp is probably. Has his team at a better position than Napoli? Napoli's had a kind of tough time in Serie A. They've lost their last couple games, the last three games in Serie A, haven't been really firing on all cylinders. They're definitely suffering a little bit from the lack of Maurizio Sari in the dug in the dugout. I'm gonna pick Liverpool to win this game, not easily, but I say a 2-1 victory to Liverpool. They might give up a goal to Insigne or maybe even to Hamzic, but. I think Liverpool will still get the results just because I think they're a better team and they're better coached, and I think they can probably match up really well against Napoli.
1: I mean, Napoli, tough loss against Juventus this past weekend, but not starting off on a good foot, they... Tied Red Star in Serbia, 0-0, which I think proves that Red Star or Cervena Zvezda, which is their official name, uh, they, they can cause these teams trouble when they play at home. Uh, Red Star playing at PSG, that should be no contest. PSG should beat them to a pulp, you would think. PSG still perfect in France. They're only lost to Liverpool. But I think Liverpool win, but I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. I got a 4-2 win to Liverpool. Napoli's offense has been playing pretty well. They got three goals against Torino. Then they got three against Parma. Not the best teams in Serie A, but this team can score. Uh, not amazing defense. I mean, we saw them struggle against Juventus, and I think that Liverpool's attack, uh, we've seen them play with more chemistry than Juventus' thus far just because Ronaldo hasn't been scoring as many goals, but he's been really active with the offense.
0: Um, but I think Liverpool win. I think it'll be high-scoring, 4-2. Yeah, you know, I, I would be excited for a 4-2 result. All right, let's go to Old Trafford now. Manchester United versus Valencia. This is possibly... Mourinho's last game in charge of Manchester United if it goes wrong I I it's so hard for me. I want to do it but I'm not going to. I'm going to say Manchester United is going to win this game. Valencia's had a pretty start, pretty tough start to the season in in La Liga. Um I don't, you know, they're a very fluky team in general. They either have really high highs or super low lows and I think they're currently in their low period. I think Manchester United they're going to struggle but I I think they're going to win. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory at Old Trafford. However, if they lose this match to Valencia, even if they draw this match, I think Mourinho's time is up. Manchester United needs to be Valencia. You know, it, it used to be impossible for Spanish opposition to beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. That changed last year when they lost to Sevilla. But, my God, they have to be Valencia. Valencia is not that good.
1: No, Valencia has not been good all season so far in La Liga. They're 14th place. Before they beat Real Sociedad on Saturday, they had three straight draws in the league, two nil nils in a row against Real Betis and Villarreal, and then they drew one one with Celta Vigo midweek to uh, end September before their win against Real Sociedad. Um, Manu has simply has to win. I mean, but we, we we the thing is we've said this situation before this season. Just weeks ago on this podcast, which, by the way, you should subscribe to us on iTunes, shameless plug, also on Spreaker.com, listen to some past episodes. They've got to win this game. And the thing is, is that as much as we say Mourinho needs to be fired and should be fired if they don't win, I just don't know if he will. I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger yet, even though they should have done it weeks ago. But we keep picking United to bounce back and win, and we're going to
0: keep doing it. United wins one nothing. <laughs> It's just tough. It's tough to, to really go against this United team. They just have – you keep looking at their roster, and you're like, this has to work at some point. This is. There's no way this team cannot succeed. It, it, but you know what? At some point, they, this is just going to be too much. But I'm still – I believe you. I agree with you. I think United should win this game. Uh, last game on the slate, maybe the most boring game for EPO opposition, we got Hoffenheim playing Manchester City in Germany. Manchester City is going to is been on a roll since they lost their first Champions League game to Lyon uh, at home. I think Manchester City is really going to tear Hoffenheim a new one. I think Manchester City wins this one 3-1. I hope Reece Nelson an Arsenal low-knee, gets a goal, but uh, I still think Manchester City is going to really kick some butt here.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to probably win this game. Hoffenheim is right now 12th in the Bundesliga. Their last match was a loss to Red Bull 2-1. Before that, they they beat Hanover. They got a draw against Dortmund. Got a draw against Shakhtar in their opening Champions League game. But uh, big losses to Bayern and to uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. Some of their results in the league. Almost all of their results I just mentioned. But Man City is... I think we'll win this one very comfortably. Um, Hoffenheim has just not been the same team that, we're, that we saw last season. They've struggled a little bit sitting mid-table on seven points, two wins out of six games, an even goal difference. I think Man City will win this one 3-0 on the road. They are just clicking right now, and this is exactly what Manchester City needed before playing Liverpool. They have, they have the fact that they're in first. They're winning games. They haven't slipped up. Um, in the league since the Wolves draw. The mess up against Lyon was just a couple of really bad defensive errors and just allowing Nabil Fekir to just rifle that shot into the net. I mean, that was a tremendous strike with that left foot, but City will win 3-0. Yeah,
0: I think it should be pretty easy, but uh, that's all of our Champions League coverage, and actually, that's our episode today. So thank you for listening. I'm Seven Bailey with Ori Benatar. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Please listen to us on Spreaker.com. We'll be back on Friday to recap the week and preview the next slate of Premier League matches. Uh, please read our stuff on the topflight.com and uh, we'll see you guys soon.